welcome back to the Glass Moon podcast, a series looking at the science, tools and experience to build a thriving organisation and how we can do work better. In this episode, we're going to take a look at flexible working. Two words when combined often get the eyes and the eyebrows veering upwards with an accompanying sigh, but it's a subject very close to my heart. The pandemic has been referred to as the largest ever remote working experience. So will things change? Will we embrace true flexibility or will we revert to our old habits of working? Can flexible working help us attain the careers and balance we really need? And could it actually help alleviate some of the inequality we see in our workplace today? So pretty big questions, and I am thoroughly looking forward to exploring this subject and why it's been a source of corporate love and hate for so long. And of course, joining me today is, of course, my partner in conversation, Carol Edmund, founder and CEO of Glass Moon. Hey, Carol, how are you? I am. I'm good, actually. Thank you, Suzanne. I'm good. I'm having a good week. And um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to our digital team, actually. So to Alex and to Fox and to Tanya, because I just have to say they've been they've been amazing for us doing this. I know we're doing it in lockdown. We're coming out of lockdown and stuff, but it's a new podcast series and they've been phenomenal. So thanks to the guys back at whatever ranch they're in for, for helping us, but it, no, I'm good. And the, and the teenagers good this week. So um, <laughs> all is well in the household. Thank you. How's things with you? Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, we've just, uh, we're just coming out with uh, both my teenagers, three weeks of exams. So I'm exhausted, but I'm all right. Okay. <laughs> Hey, that's flexible working for you, isn't it? Anyway, I'm also really excited, excited to have joining us to delve into flexible working is Eve Mitchell. Eve is a healthcare professional with more than 15 years experience working in consulting, um, consulting to health and social care organisations. Eve has worked with a variety of health and care sector clients in the delivery of complex change from transformational change and organisational design process to programme leadership and execution. Eve's passion is patient and staff safety with a firm belief that poor quality care costs more than just money and that a predominantly financial focus does not bring about cost savings when transforming, transforming the workforce to deliver 21st century care. Now, this passion, as I understand it, um, Eve, resulted in the development of your establishment, Genie, which we might hear a bit about, um, an online, nice endorsed workforce planning and benchmarking tool. So last four years, Eve, you've seen you working with more than 300 teams and organizations across the settings of care, supporting workforce planning, safe staffing and transformation, and showing that using the robust data and working together, we can improve patient outcomes and, which is obviously our, all our passion, is to put the person at the centre of care. So, welcome, Eve. Hello. Thank you so much for being with us today. So, um, let's get stuck in. Uh, so, what does, what does flexible working mean to you? Gosh, well, firstly, thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for inviting me to join you. And flexible working, it's so loaded, isn't it? I think one of the things that brought about working the hours I need to around childcare for others, and I've heard managers say, well, I allow my staff to work flexibly. They can drop the kids off before they come into work. 
And it's not about, well, what do we need and what do our staff need? So what care levels do we need? How, what do we need? What do our patients need? What do our residents need? And then what do our staff need? And can we bring all of that together? So when I talk about flexibility, that's what I mean. I mean, what do we need to do and how do we pair those things up? And how do we give our staff the autonomy to choose how they deliver what we need as an organization? Now, that's often misunderstood. And I think it's really interesting how the impact of COVID-19 has had on, first of all, those those managers who maybe were first of all inflexible and who said, no way, you cannot homework. And now they're kind of like, oh, actually, my, my staff have done really well. They're kind of like, well, really? Because what, they're adults and they know what they're doing. Goodness gracious me. God, there's others who cannot wait to get those bodies back at a desk by 9am so they can count them because they manage by walking around. Now, what I'd be really interested in seeing is around that productivity at the end of it, because I know how I felt as a staff member with the uh, five past eight, and but I'm very happy for you to stay till midnight. But I think there's some dangers too. During COVID, lots of my healthcare colleagues have said, I've been on all the time. There's been the comment, well, why can't I phone you at seven o'clock at night? Because where else are you going to be? And getting that balance between, yeah, I'm here and of course I'll be flexible. And if we really, really need to talk at eight o'clock at night because something's happened, sure. But this isn't so you feel that you're working really hard and you're counting how many other people are feeling hard. I mean, just as an example, I worked in a very large organisation and I had colleagues who would set their alarm for four o'clock in the morning so they could get up and send an email so they could be seen to be working. Now, if that's not the most nuts thing you've ever heard, what is? What, what does that achieve? Nothing. I, I, I love that. Oh, my gosh. Just in those few sentences, oh, you know, I, I so agree with you. You know, we, we, on one hand, this remote, enforced remote working has actually amplified the fact that we are adults. And oh, my goodness, look at that. We can self-organize. We've busted so many of those myths. I mean, if I've literally had a pound for every time a leader who themselves were working out how to do this said, if I can't see them, how do I know they're working? But you're also right. I mean, the, the organizations we're working across at the moment, the, the, the thing that's really amplified at the moment is that we have managed a great deal by presenteeism, which is a false and empty premise of measurement. But actually this upping of this constant availability um, and, and we have such a tired workforce now and mm. we need to shore up because we're going to, we're heading towards a second epidemic of burnout. Um, and but I, what I love about what you said right at the very beginning was that sense of we're not asking the right question. And it's that sort of piece around what do our people actually need? It's the difference between using the title human resources and actually we need to switch it around and saying resourcing humans. So no, absolutely. Carol, what about what about you? I'm going to ask you a loaded question. Fan of flexible working? How, how have you used it in your businesses? I am like, I would put myself in the category of being fanatical about the need for working flexibly because, you know, let's be frank, I could not have done my um, job in Bright Horizons as the MD of a multi-site business operating in 
four countries with a lot of travel, traveling to the US every, whatever it was, six, eight weeks um, uh, to see the senior team over there as a lone parent with no infrastructure because um, my family was up in Scotland in terms of that kind of local infrastructure network, that sort of stuff. I could not have done it if I hadn't been able to carve out the flexibility um, that I needed and, and taken ownership for it. And what was interesting was at the point at which um, I was joining Bright Horizons and really needed you know, maximum flexibility, I realized that I needed to take ownership for what that looked like because I don't think working flexibly or flexible working is ever handed to anybody on a plate and probably neither, it sh neither should it be because, and I do actually think we should re reword it to the right to have a life you know, and actually there is a, there is a, um, there's a the, in the Human Rights Act, we do actually have the right to have a private life, which is kind of where that kind of think, thinking comes from for me. But, but it was that whole notion of we've got to have a life outside of our, our careers and our work and life. And so, I, you know, I am fanatical and I could talk about it forever, but I won't. But the one thing I will say is I was introduced to the importance of working flexibly when I was only 27, 28, 29 um, I didn't actually need it because I was a lone parent or for sort of family related reasons or whatever, but I worked for this incredible leader in Bupa who believed that we should have a life outside of work. And she, she had three children and, you know, whether you had kids or not, it was irrelevant. It was just, she knew back in the nineties before working flexibly or was a thing or before flexible working was in the legislation, she knew it was just the right thing to do and the right environment to create for people. So I feel hugely grateful that I was introduced to that at a point in my life where I didn't need as much flexibility then because I was in my twenties, didn't have any kids, could kind of come and go as I please, so to speak. But by the time I was actually a mum and a lone parent when, when I got divorced, my God, was it so helpful to have, to have worked for somebody who saw the importance of this and almost kind of paved the way for the need and the right to have it. And look, you know, when I was running a childcare and work life services organization, I used to think, my goodness, if I can't create, you know, the ability to do this, running an organization like that in terms of appropriateness and, and so far as context is concerned, then who the hell can? So yeah, I am like, I'm fanatical about it. I think it's so crucial and, and we should be, it should be reason irrelevant. It should be kind of gender neutral around gender, sorry, reason neutral around why mm. it's just crucial. It's just really crucial. Yeah, completely. I mean, the, the, the whole piece around flexible working being for one demographic, which, which has shifted a bit in the, the last decade that I've been working, that it was always linked to women working part time who had children. Um, it has shifted a, a bit, but it's certainly not where it needs to be. Um, so no, I'm glad you're fanatical. Um, and I do agree actually completely on, on the point you made around it, bringing in accountability, autonomy and choice and our ability to be able to show up as adults and to actually integrate all those things that are important to our lives means that we're also taking accountability. It, it stops us being controlled, but it requires that, that accountability. So I think that's um, a really fundamental point behind all of this and one that I think is often missed. So, um, so Eve, I'm going to come back to you. Um, one of the things on that actually is I'm always really fascinated when you delve underneath, you know, the, the inflexible, flexible working. So, you know, that, that flex policy that once it's brought in introduces more rules about where and when and how you're, and I put these sort of, you know, question marks around sort of allowed to work, that actually ends up constraining autonomy. Um, what do, what do you think about that? And, and, and to sort of Carol's point around 
needing those different things. How does flex flex over a career and help and help businesses to thrive? No, I, and I'm smiling and I shouldn't be smiling, but I can remember in my, my very first role in the NHS and I joined through the Gateway to Leadership Programme from um, industry. And in my very first work, week of working there, someone said to me, unless you can pull the child card, you, won't be, you will be here 24-7. And at the time, I mean, I was mid-20s and I kind of looked at them a bit blankly and my hours went on forever. And I think, I think it's really, really interesting, that inflexible, flexible working, as I've, as I've moved through my career, created the Genie and worked with all these different teams, one of the things that's fascinating is the rules that says, well, you, you are allowed, we will designate you as somebody who can work flexibly because you have children. And then horror of horrors, HR have forgotten to review that person who's working flexibly and they're still working flexibly because they're a parent when they're a grandparent. <gasps> Quick, we must take this away from them immediately because this is awful. Somebody else needs to you kind of like, hold on a minute. I'm sure I read somewhere in that spooky NHS people plan that we're working flexibly. And it's like, well, actually, it's back to the, yes, of course we're going flexibly. And there's a brilliant piece of research called Mind the Gap that talked about our younger generation of nurses coming through and what they wanted from their work. And they want autonomy. They don't necessarily have the same commitment to an organisation. They have a commitment to where they want to go. And I've met many, many brilliant young nurses who say you know by the time I'm 35 I want to be a chief nurse and this means x y and z I've also met fabulous career nurses who have want to work shorter shifts because actually a 12-hour day on a heavy lifting ward is really really long but actually we can blend that and you know in the NHS that's where it's inflexible so cost savings in the NHS we move from short day model to long day working initially so from early um, early late and night to two lots of 12 hour shifts back to back and we did that and there was cost savings you got rid of the crossover all of those things there might have been some unsocial hours but that was the way forward then we saw actually there was a drop off in care in the evenings and more incidences so you can like well actually that's not the best idea can we blend can we do things different i'm really seeing that movement towards that but it's only only in my care home settings where i've had great examples of people when they join an organization saying well what do you want right now you're a younger nurse um, you've just come out of um, your study you're in fair amount of debt you don't really want all the holidays so do you know what I, I happily pay you more per hour and less holiday and maybe we don't give you paid sickness how does that feel oh okay well that feels good i can design that rally oh okay well maybe you're nearing the end of your career and you have other caring responsibilities well do you want more sickness and do you want more holiday time and you're like oh yeah that sounds good that sounds brilliant now how come somebody in a small private organization can recognize their staff need different things and actually their commitment to the organization will be far greater if they find out what that is and what their passion is, as opposed to saying, great, you are employee one, two, three, thou shalt be working on these shifts and we do it in 13 week rosters. And um, actually, if you work a Saturday night, I don't care what anybody else in your family is doing, that's what you're doing because that's what you're scheduled for. Sorry, what? Yeah, there are so many different ways we can do that. So I think that's really, really, really interesting for me is how do we, get somewhere like the NHS on board with what flexible working really means and 
back to my comment at the beginning, that's understanding what is it we need? What care levels are needed for the particular setting? Then can we fit? I'm not suggesting that we take somebody who only wants to work one day a week and there's 30 days of training. So actually they never work ever on a ward because they're always training. That doesn't make sense. Why would it? But can we do something really clever that says, actually, why wouldn't you have two people working? on the same shift. Can you do a swap over? Can you do a changeover? Sure, if you want to work a late shift. And I was saying to Carol the other day, actually, that a twilight shift in a care home, you know, the care home said, I really, really need that. That would work really well for me. How can we do it? And actually, they don't get a lot of people applying because there's not a huge amount of public transport. A lot of the people who work in that environment don't necessarily have cars. So I said, well, okay, can we find another way so I can fill this gap and I've got a whole different part of a workforce that can join me because it fits with them. So can we organise a bus to do a pickup? Can we organise somebody to take you home? Can we organise, can we do, what can we do to show how valuable you are to me? And therefore, you will give me everything you possibly can to make this work. Now, surely that, that makes sense. And that's everyone's winning. Everybody wins, as opposed to the wagging finger, high sickness, lack of flexibility, staff turnover, all of those things, that's nuts. If we did it differently and better, and actually I've got loads of, and I, I won't bore you all because I can go on for hours, but loads of great examples of those organisations that during COVID-19, it was very, very worst points, those organisations that retained, that grew together, that learned from each other, that shared their experience and actually have come out stronger because of it versus those organizations that really didn't have the leadership or the insight to be able to say we need to do things differently and carried on and on and on doing the same thing but doing it badly fascinating yeah, yeah. yeah it, it is it is absolutely fascinating and um i i think that that whole piece around um you were saying i love that bit around if you couldn't pull the child card um you know that there was no other reason to, to even ask for flexibility um I, I remember being in the same situation many years ago now i never even had the conversation around changing my hours because i didn't have children and i thought well i, I, I won't even have it i won't i won't ask um but yeah i mean and and also i think that that there's that whole piece as you're saying it's the shift between being controlled and having autonomy that brings us as Carol's saying, you know, back to that accountability um, and, and the difference in terms of motivation and health and well-being. And it is, it's creating and setting up the conditions to be able to have the talent that we've spent so long finding and attracting and recruiting and that we don't bring them in and then, then inadvertently handcuff them with rules and policies and, and inflexible flexibility. But um, I want... The other thing that's always um, interested me around actually broadening what flexibility actually is, it often shifts straight towards different working um, directives or changing contract, normally around shorter hours, shift work. And of course, they're all they're all important stuff. But actually, some of the things that really we need to be actually having underneath here is how do we use flexibility to be able to manage our energy? as well as our time. And that's got nothing to do with a changing contract. Because one of the things around, uh, you know, 
you, you were saying about how my hours just went on and on and on. And you said earlier as well about, you know, and, I, and I'm noticing as well, that amplification of being constantly available in this uh, pandemic, you know, we're just a bit, just because I'm, I'm not commuting, all of a sudden I'm, I'm available all the time. Our back-to-back -back meetings, our emails, the swathes of messages and almost this sort of big brother control around this false premise of, of presenteeism. But actually, our brains just don't work that way. And nor does our health. Our, our cognitive energy needs to have time out and regularly throughout the whole day. If, you, if we don't take time between that Zoom meeting to that next Zoom meeting, you don't learn anything, your health starts to, to fade. And actually, if we haven't pulsed with our energy throughout the day, the quality of our decision-making we know is, you know, it's about the equivalent of having two glasses of wine. It, it's at that level, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel particularly good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really interested around actually broadening what flexibility does around, um, well, around time, space and energy really, which, and, and Carol, and I know this has been a significant focus of your research and the five factors of your attainment model, which looks exactly that. It, it's time, space and energy. So what are, what are your thoughts on um, flex and supporting our career attainment and, and success? Yeah, and, and you're right, one of the factors was actually, um, it was about flexibility, and it was flexibility of your mindset as the kind of, the mother, um, the mothership from which time, space and energy uh, comes from. And I saw a great quote the other day by the Dropbox CEO, and he said, we're hiring people for their minds, and then we're not giving them any space to think. And I thought, you know, we go through that whole kind of courting, dancing, entertaining people to come in and work in this wonderful organization with a fabulous culture. I, I don't mean Dropbox, I mean organizations more generally. And then we, then they, you know, the whole kind of dating, get to the altar, you know, we're then married. And then you realize that actually it's nothing like what you thought it was going to be because, you know, you don't... Um, uh, you know, it says she who's divorced twice. But anyway, she, uh, I don't know why I always use marriage metaphors when I talk about things like that. But anyway, so, um, but yeah, then you realize that actually you don't have the autonomy, you don't have the, you don't have the time. Time is measured by productivity, which we're in the 21st century. You know, time can't really be measured or, or every aspect of time can't be measured by productivity. We need a different yardstick because we're working with knowledge workers. We're working with people that are information workers, purpose workers. You know, we talk about the purpose economy. My God, if you're driven by your purpose, you can get so much more achieved and, and you know, as, as evil, evil know in terms of in the healthcare system, social care in terms of outcomes are a much bigger measure of the quality of life, the quality of care that we're creating for people in the health system or in the, in the social care system. And yet everything is about compliance to the clock. Um, and so I, so I guess what we're trying to do in, in Glass Moon more broadly in terms of some of our methodologies around changing workplaces and how we humanize the workplace is really helping organizations think about developing a flexible mindset number one which is is broader than working flexibly but clearly it's you know it's part of it i don't think you can work flexibly if you don't have a flexible mindset because you won't see the opportunity to do it and do it creatively and still do it well so time space and energy really is I mean, it's everything from a sort of philosophy to a methodology to we're trying to process map how we would think about time, space and energy for 
Glassman Services, for example, our, our specialist care business, where we think about shift-based working on a team-based rostering perspective. So people, you know, like we, we talk about the, the Christmas roster is always the easy, easiest two weeks of the year to accommodate because everybody piles around the kind of the kitchen table or the staff room table and figures out what's the best, most creative, most inclusive way so that everybody's needs are met. And so it's like, well, wh why do we only do that at that time of the year? Why don't we adopt that approach and behavior and practices and, and things like that? And so for us, it's about time, space and energy. It's about, it's about being inclusive. It's about really understanding people's needs. It's about understanding the ebb and flow of everything from our careers go through different ages and stages. You know, as, as you were saying, Eve, you know, the flexibility that you need at one stage is different another year, five years, 10 years on, but we tend to get locked into the kind of um, one size fits all sort of mentality. And so, um, and with energy, I mean, you know, I, I think I've got tons of examples of where people, particularly working on 24 hour shifts, are better suited to shifts at certain times of the day because of their energy levels, because of their, you know, as Suzanne's taught us in the Ruby 7 program, their circadian rhythms, you know, that works differently. Um, but because we've made, you know, the workplace so sort of dehumanized, we haven't got enough of the kind of actually you know how do we accommodate human beings to do this work and, and do it well and, and knowledge workers so so we're kind of working with some some concepts that work in practice because i've done them in the organizations that i've you know i've led and i've been involved in and been part of um they work we maybe didn't we maybe didn't call it time space and energy but in terms of the ideas and the insights and the data that we're, we're getting coming out of that we you know the is part of our lived experience so we know they work so it's just okay so how do we how do we do that on a scalable basis so that people can learn how to do it and, and do it well and do do it sustainably is what we're trying to create with time space and energy something another part of the fanatical thing <laughs> carol's fanatical trendset fanatical trendset i love it <laughs> um but yeah it is, it's crazy isn't it this this compliance to the clock as you were saying and um do you know what it's it's um creativity doesn't happen in confinement it, it needs that freedom it needs us to create the conditions where we actually are working with our biology uh you know the fact that we can't keep going and going and going is not a bug in the system to fix we actually need to create the conditions by which we actually are able to deliver our best um so and, and i agree with you around that inclusivity and the co-creation around how do we as a team deliver what we need to deliver hand it over to them what we don't we don't need to be controlled and in fact actually your brain um recognizes a punishment when you're controlled told to do something rather than being asked and being part of the co-creation of the design so uh yeah you mentioned um mentioned ruby 7 which is um which is great because because eve you you recently joined the ruby 7 program uh which of course is designed to deliver evidence-based tools to boost resilience well-being and um as this is you know as ruby is actually all about the resolve to, to ultimately be yourself and we're considering this flexible working and autonomy and choice and our ability to integrate the priorities in our lives um, and just considering our conversation, what I'd just love to hear what you, you gain from, from the programme and that experience. I see Carol's already kind of alluded to the fact that she's a bit of an evangelist and actually I'm, I'm a Ruby 7 evangelist. Um, it's far that 
in in previous in previous organisations, I was lucky enough to be invited to join their leadership programmes. And you know, you feel terribly flattered, and you're part of a small group, and how marvellous. And then in the opening statements, it's kind of like, congratulations, you're all absolutely marvellous. Now we're going to make you better versions of yourself. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, thanks for that. Um, so obviously not so marvellous that you're quite happy to let me be me. And I think w one of the particular programmes I was on, um, its acronym was... Um, the emerging leadership program which very quickly became the everybody's leaving program because as the time went on everyone was like you're gonna be kidding me i'm not hold on a minute if i'm that flipping marvelous why am i staying here this is rubbish you know i think something they're picking up on there you know you, you cannot contain creativity between nine and five why would you so being on the ruby course and being part of a group and a program where actually it's about being yourself wonderfully yourself but also learning about yourself and I guess the things that struck me about my body you know, I'd love to think that I'm the most marvelous open-minded person in the world there's no barriers here we're all free flowing. actually that's not true those triggers those things that make me think oh actually they're constructs of myself that I've put in place and doing something like Ruby has helped me recognize that that's the case not said, you know what, Eve, you're a terrible person for thinking like that, but recognizing that's the case and changing my mindset, letting me check in on that before having that conversation. I think part of removing those barriers and biases has absolutely opened up those possibilities. And from that, thinking about how I work with my clients, how I work with my teams, because my passion is patient safety and staff safety. We get that right and we make sure our staff have great well-being. Actually, there is evidence to show that our patients are looked after better. So how do we do that? And that whole piece around autonomy and co-creation. So the piece of work I'm working with at the moment is absolutely on the where were we before COVID-19? What happened during COVID-19? Can we capture that quantitative data using the genie? But then what worked? How did it feel? Tell me your story. How do we share that story? But how do we take out the best? And given the opportunity, how would you design your workplace? What would that look and feel like? And the results are amazing because people want to be in and be part of that. And the stories that they share and the learning we're getting, there, there is no comparator from anything else in the rest of my career. And that's something that, that whole piece around Ruby being so different and helping with that understanding and unlocking that creativity and understanding with the people I'm working with. So well, why did you feel like that? And what happened there? And how could we change that? And the communication between the teams is just unbelievable. I mean, how cool is that? And that's from doing a course about being myself. I mean, you know, that's brilliant, isn't it? I hope so. It sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It's brilliant. And uh, it's so funny you say that about the Emerging Leaders course. I went on the Emerging Leaders course. It was a big thing, wasn't it, a while ago? And I, and I remember the same thing, actually, when I started. It was sort of, you know, it was this sort of golden very that you'd, you'd, you'd got onto it but then actually when you got onto it that it was the sort of judgmental 
how are we going to shift and change you so that it was very much around not me it was around the organization so yeah you know that 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 sort of just bringing you to you um and i think the most important piece for me is it's not about the judgmental it's about normalizing um we can then we're just getting given choice to, to choose perhaps different ways of thinking or, or seeing the world so um thank you eve uh, fantastic uh, carol um any last any last thoughts on a uh, on flexible working um or anything we've spoken about actually well well actually um i'm not going to talk about flexible working because i probably said enough on that but i can't i can't stop myself from saying it. it's just those those programs are like a sheep dip they're literally like a sheep dip there's been the, the kind of you know that sort of the curriculums created by by folk that I'm not necessarily sure they've ever seen the kind of, you know, been in the real world with real people with the greatest respect we ever created it. And it's like, this is, you know, it's, this is a syllabus, this is a curriculum, irrespective of context. Um, let's just get everybody through it. And, you know, and so, and of course the, you know, what, what, what they actually end up doing is people join dots and make meaning and realize actually this, this isn't for me. Um, it's been helpful. Thanks very much. And then they wonder why that these programs have really poor retention um, of the people who are on them, because of course what it's done is it's opened your eyes. And one of the things that, you know, we're seeing through the Ruby seven program and the work that we're doing is that one of the team articulates this really well is what, once you've seen something, you can't unsee it. And of course, sometimes the sort of the seeing things is not seeing things in the way that the organization, if they're putting you through a sheep dip or any other kind of controlling type mechanism to just serve the organization, you know, once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. And so it's, um, yeah, no, it always, it always makes me chuckle to myself in terms of those corporate sheep dip programs that are designed for one thing and it's for the benefit the organization rather than really tapping into people's brilliance and creativity and innovation and so it's really heartening Eve, to hear that you talk about ruby seven because this is all about people's cultural context and it's all about you know suzanne's work and drivers and building trust and intrinsic motivation and of course trust and intrinsic motivation we've got to learn to trust ourselves first and when we do what we're then intrinsically motivated to do can be like stuff we could never have anticipated when we started so um oh, brilliant no it's, it's been a lively one, hasn't it? This one's oh, been lively. <laughs> and, you know, I love, I love what you were saying about that sheep dip because when we think about this whole conversation, um, flexibility is anything but sheep dip or a policy. It's, it's, about the, it's about true inclusion and it's about ultimately every human being being able to bring their whole, I mean, you know, it's, it's a cliched line, but bringing their whole selves to work because you know what, everywhere I look, there I am. Um, and I don't just leave my, you know, home on the doorstep, even though I'm sure there are many organisations that really wish I, I, I could. My, my worries carry, carry wherever I go. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, just to sum up, really, I suppose, on, on, on the topic, for me, flexibility is, is a way of working that gives us the respect to work as adults. I think to be able to manage our time, our energy and our space, just so that we can truly integrate our priorities and therefore deliver our best. We know it, the research knows it, um, the tools to implement and embed flexibility are not difficult, they're easy to grasp, but it is a choice. It's a choice um, now to build our organisations that are fit for human. So thanks so much Eve and thanks so much Carol and for you all for listening. 
Um, our next episode will take another step on the path to exploring what it really needs to build a thriving human organization. Uh, but do remember to share, leave a review, subscribe, and check back for any episodes you may have missed. Check out our website for more information at glassmoon.co.uk or if you'd just like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. Speak soon and until next time, take care. <laughs>